I want to speak this evening on the day when the sinner met the Savior. When the sinner came from an awful place of darkness and was brought to an incredible place of light. A day when the Gadarene demoniac met the Galilean deliverer. The portion that we have before us is recalled in three of the Gospels, in the Gospel of Mark, in the Gospel of Matthew, and in the Gospel of Luke. I don't have to tell you this evening that we live in a broken world. We only have to turn on the news reports or or pick up the local papers to see that this world is broken in which we live. There are broken homes. There are broken marriages. There are broken hearts. And there are broken people. If ever there was a broken man in Scripture that we could bring to our attention, it's this man that we read of in Mark's Gospel and chapter 5. He's known as the Gadarene demoniac. The narrative that we have here in the Gospel gives us a very, very vivid description of an individual who has completely lost his way in life. He's been taken over by a dynamic force that now controls every facet of his behavior. And such a condition has led him to a place of ruin and has led him to a place of retreat. The story begins in great tragedy. But you know it ends in great victory. It begins with a man who is in anarchy. But it ends with an individual who falls in true harmony with the Lord Jesus Christ. For a short time this evening, I want us to look at this one day in the life of this individual when the sinner met the Savior of sinners. I want you to see, first of all, his unpleasant surroundings. Look what it says in verse 2 and 3. When he was come out of the ship, that's the Lord Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Look at verse 5. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. His unpleasant surroundings. It was on the 10th of March, 1987, that my father took his leave from this old world in which we live. 
Some 22 years later, my mother, she also, having previously called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, was taken from this scene of time. Both of them, both mum and dad, are buried in a place called Anfield Cemetery. It's in the city of Liverpool, and ironically, it's sandwiched between the two football stadiums. Stadium where Liverpool play, Anfield, the stadium where Everton play, Goodison Park, and sandwiched between these two great stadiums is a cemetery. Folks, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people pass that cemetery every week. But not one of them would care to reside in the cemetery. Not one of them would care to to build their home and to build their life in that cemetery. Though it's the final resting place for many, many of their loved ones, it's unimaginable to think that they would ever set home in the confines of a local graveyard. But friends, that's what this man in Mark's Gospel chapter 5 did. He made his home, the Bible says, amongst the tombs. As crazy as it might seem, he lived in the local cemetery. It would appear that his life was preoccupied with death. He lived in the place of death. His dwellings was amongst the people who were no longer alive. And he had isolated himself from society in general and from his family and friends. Any who came into contact with the sepulchre in those days was considered to be unclean. We often call it a, a place of rest, but in the narrative, as far as we see for this man, he had no rest in this graveyard. There was no peace in this man's soul. In fact, we read in the scriptures that night and day, day and night, he could be heard crying out in the tombs. Let's pause there for a moment. And can I ask the question, now that the subject of death has been raised, folks, where will you spend eternity? We've never been nearer to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ than we are right now. But where will you be Five minutes after you die. The poet could say, Loved ones will weep o'er my silent face, and dear ones will clasp me with sweet embrace. 
and shadows and darkness will fill that place five minutes after I die. Faces that sorrow I will not see. Voices that murmur they'll not reach me. But where, oh where will my spirit be? Five minutes after I die. Nor to repair the good I lack, fixed to the goal of my chosen track. No time to repent. Friends, no turning back. Five minutes after I die. Mated forever with my chosen throng. Long is eternity, oh so long. Then woe is me if my soul was wrong. Five minutes after I die. It's a chilling thought this evening, isn't it? That our decision this side of eternity will determine our destiny hereafter. Won't you settle this matter in your soul this evening before it's too late? Won't you come to a saving knowledge and call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? His unpleasant surroundings, I want you to see his uncontrollable behavior. Look what it says in verses 3 and 4. He had his dwellings among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. Note those words, often bound with fetters and chains. He was a man who had lost his family. He had lost his friends. By the sounds of things, he had lost his mind and he'd simply lost his way in life. He'd be considered by this world in which we live as a madman or as a lunatic today. So disturbed. A man who was filled with antisocial behavior and had removed his self from, from all his acquaintances. Paints a very vivid description, you know, of the man, the woman, the young person who's outside of Christ. The Bible describes an individual that knows not the Savior as being one who is without God and without hope in this world. Has no peace, does not possess that peace that passeth all understanding. Someone with no joy in their life, no contentment, no true happiness because there's been no salvation wrought 
in the soul. You see, the sinner without Christ, although their circumstances may be different, they find themselves in a similar condition as this man who resided in the place of death. Can you see his unpleasant surroundings? He lived in the graveyard. Can we see his uncontrollable behavior? They tried to bind him with chains. Want you to see his unbelievable strength? Verse 4. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. He was demon-possessed, but he had supernatural strength. That's why folks kept their distance from this individual. To break the chains, to break the fetters in pieces was nothing to this individual. And it didn't matter how many people they, they sent to, to bind him and to chain him. He always managed with that supernatural strength to just break those chains. I wonder... If you're here with us this evening and you know you're not saved, you know you're not a Christian, I wonder do you realize that you too are chained and fettered by sin? That Satan has a hold upon your life? The Bible says that he is the God of this world and what he attempts to do is to, to blind the minds of them that believe not. That's why you've no interest in the things of God. That's why you've no interest in, in settling the business of time and eternity with the God of heaven. Because he's blinded the minds of them that believe not. But you know, the verse goes on because it says, lest the glorious light of the gospel of Christ should shine through. And that's what the devil's afraid of. He's afraid of men and women sharing the good news of the gospel, the life-changing message of the gospel with a poor, benighted sinner. Remember coming into a service over 40 years ago now, service similar to this this evening. Brought up in the streets of Liverpool, my family were not church-going people. I found myself under the sound of the Word of God. And the Spirit of God began to wrestle with my soul. I knew that if I was to take my leave from this old world... I wouldn't be going to heaven. I'd be going to that place which the Bible speaks of where the worm dieth not and where the fire is not quenched. A place called hell. But you know, the Spirit of God was able, through His precious Word, 
to show me that the Lord Jesus Christ left the realms of glory. He set his face like a flint to the cruel cross of Calvary. And there, bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned, he stood. He bore my sin, the Bible says, in his own body on the tree. And when the Spirit of God revealed this to me many years ago, I was enlightened. And those chains that bound my soul were broken asunder. You know, I would bring trouble to the door of my parents' home time and time again. Remember one time being in the house and the house was surrounded by police vehicles. Remember them knocking on the door and, uh, and uh, trying to arrest both myself and my brother. Something had happened in the area, nothing at all to do with us. But the Moffat boys were to get the blame that night. And you know, it was all because we were known to the authorities. Because these chains of sin had such a grip on our lives. Here was a man who had unbelievable strength. He was able to, to break those chains. But friends, you will never break the chain of sin in your life. You need the one who's called the Lamb of God the Savior of sinners, the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and to lift the scales from your eyes and to break those chains of sin. His unpleasant surroundings, his uncontrollable behavior, his unbelievable strength. I want you to see his unconsolable heart. What it says in verse 5. And always... Night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. Always, night and day, week in, week out, month in, month out, as you passed by the tombs at Gadara, you would hear the weeping and the wailing and the misery of this bound man with broken chains. You would hear the woes of an uncontrollable heart crying out and screaming out, echoing through the hills and the valleys. You know, I'm sure that was a very airy experience coming from a graveyard. The weeping and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth. And now we find that he's, he's isolated and he's alone and he's suffering from insomnia. Here was an individual that could not sleep of a night. The Bible says that night and day he cried out. 
He just couldn't catch his sleep whatsoever. And then we, we find that he began to mutilate himself. So disturbed was this individual. I want you to see his unconsolable heart and his undeniable hurt. For it says that he was cutting himself with stones. Satan had a grip on this man's life. And he began to, to self-harm, to put himself in danger. And he would cry out in the tombs and inflict great pain and misery upon himself. What an awful picture we have of this madman who's completely out of control, who's spiritually depraved. And you know, if we were to leave the story there, we would have to, to say, here's a man that was discouraged and that was downcast and that was deflated and that was depressed. As we viewed him in his unpleasant surroundings with this uncontrollable behavior, his unbelievable strength and his unconsolable heart. As we've seen the undeniable hurt and affliction that he's putting himself through. We come to that verse 6. His unbelievable experience. Look what it says. But when he saw Jesus. Friends, there was one day. One day that was different than any other day in his life. That was the day when he came face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. When for the very first time... His eyes fell upon the maker and creator of the heavens and the earth. The one that fainteth not, neither is weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. But when he saw Jesus, everything began to change in his life. You see, it wasn't a, a psychologist that he needed. It was a saviour that this man needed. It wasn't a doctor that he needed. It was someone who could deliver him from the life that he had. It wasn't medicine that he needed. It was the master and it was the touch from the master's hand. It wasn't a remedy that he was looking for. It was a redeemer that he needed to face and that he needed to meet. And it all changed that day for him when he saw Jesus. I don't know what's brought you along to the gospel service in the martyrs this evening. 
I don't know many of your faces, and I certainly don't know your names. But I know a God who does. And I know a God who has an interest in your life and in mine. Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Bible says that the Lord Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That was the very purpose for which he came, to seek and to save that which was lost. And nothing thrills the heart of God more than a penitent sinner who will call upon his name, renounce their sin, and invite the Lord Jesus Christ not only to give them a new start in life, but a new life to start with. I was just 18 years of age when I first heard the gospel message. When I realized that that I was a sinner. And in spite of my past and all my wrongdoings, I realized that there was a Savior who loved me and who gave himself just for me. And he wanted to take all my wrongdoings, all my sin, and he wanted to bury them in the sea of his forgetfulness so that he would remember them against me no more. The Bible says forever. Just imagine that. The Lord Jesus Christ taking all my sin, placing them behind his back, and never again remembering them or bringing them before me. He gave me that day, away back on the 23rd of July 1982, not only a new start in life, but a new life to start with. He broke the chains of sin that bound. And he set my feet, you know, upon the rock Christ Jesus. He took away that filthy and and that vile tongue that I had, and he put a new song in my heart, even praises unto our God. Friends, what he did for me, he can do for you in the martyrs this evening if you know not him. What he did for me in giving me life eternal, abundant life, he can do for you. You can be as, as this sinner that found the Savior. But when he saw Jesus, things began to change. And you could have walked through that door as a lost sinner this evening, and you can go out as a purified saint, heading for heaven and heading for home. That's the desire of my Savior this evening, as the gospel is set forth, that there will be one in the house who'll realize that the life that I live is not well-pleasing to our God. And I want to do business 
I want to start out for heaven and home today. I want to be able to say, tis done, the great transaction's done. I am my Lord's, and now he is mine. His desire is to save sinners. He longs that men and women and young people might call upon his name, that he might give them a new life. The Bible speaks of the born-again experience. There was a religious man in John's Gospel, chapter 3, who came to Jesus by night. The Bible says he feared for his life. And so under the darkness of night, he came and he sought the Savior. And this religious man, oh, he was a sinner, but he was a religious sinner. He didn't know Christ. His name was Nicodemus. And the Bible says he came to Jesus by night and he said to Jesus, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ was not only a teacher who had come from God, but he was God who had come to teach. We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the things that thou doest except God be with him. The Lord Jesus looked at this religious man who had all the trappings of religion and all the garments of religion in those days. And the Lord said, except a man be born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. This religious leader, he didn't understand. He said, how can a man be born when he is old? He can't enter, enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born again. And the Lord said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. That's called a new birth. To start your life anew. For if any man be in Christ, the Bible says, all things pass away. We say farewell to the old life. And behold, all things are become new. And the Lord Jesus leads us every step of the way. You might think this evening, well, I decided just to, to go along to the martyrs this evening, just to see who the preacher would be and just to, to see what message would be preached. You might think that you made the decision to come here this evening, but friends, you would be grossly mistaken. The providence and foreknowledge of God, he has planned for you to be in attendance. And he extends his gracious hands to you, those nail-pierced hands, those precious hands. Speaking on Thursday evening last in our own fellowship, 
And we thought about the hand of God, you know. How the hand of God protects. And how the hand of God keeps. And how the hand of God provides. And how the hand of God blesses. But you know, the Bible says that our time, our time is in his hand. And he's not willing that any should perish. He's not going to let you slip through his fingers once you put your faith and trust in him. But he will hold your life in the palm of his hand. He says in, in John's gospel about those that believe in him, he says that neither shall any man pluck them from my hand. You see, once you're safe in the arms of Jesus, once you're in the hollow of his hand, he will bless, he will protect, he will lead, and he will guide. But you have to take that step of faith. Will you not call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ this evening? Will you not be gloriously I'm wonderfully saved. He that cometh unto me, the Savior says, I will in no wise cast out. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank thee for these few simple thoughts of a man who was a lunatic, who had no friends, no family, who lived in the place of death, and his life was in sheer ruin. But then he met Jesus. And he saw Christ for the very first time. And as far as he was concerned, everything changed. They found him in his right mind and seeking to exalt the person of the Lord Jesus. Jesus.